The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Presenting Season 7, Run Silent, Run Deep. Descent, Part 4, written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, and Dennis Lee. Where had all the black snake come from? The last bulwark had heard, Vicky was only reporting about twenty moving on the station. This was a lot more than twenty. Overwatch to bulwark? No, I don't know where they came from. Working to locate all of them, but they keep shooting out cameras. Overwatch to bulwark's teams. Don't move! A moment later, the earth heaved up beneath the cement flooring, providing barricades of earth and broken concrete behind which they could take some scant shelter. Okay... Now you can move. Vicky sounded very weak and shaky. AFK for thirty seconds. Sugar, caffeine. Take positions behind those barricades, Bulwark bellowed. Fan out. I want Omega Tango maneuvers, people. Dave! Red Savior's voice rang out as even more Black Snake mercs streamed into the station. Squads Odin and Dva, left and right flank! For a moment, the dazed Echo and CCCP metas were caught completely off guard. Within the space of a few heartbeats, they had witnessed one astonishing thing after another. The crash of the train, the sudden onslaught of Black Snake forces breaching the station, and the very earth rising up from beneath them to serve as makeshift cover. Bull and Savior's voices cut through their confusion, snapped them to attention, and with shouts of renewed vigor they moved into position and opened fire on the advancing Black Snake troops. It was relatively easy to tell the black snake that had been on the train. They were stumbling around, dazed and confused, and being pulled out of the wreck of the train by their fresher compatriots. A few of the Echo Ops immediately surrounded them, guns trained on their hearts, ordering them to the ground. Already battered and bruised, most did as they were ordered, though a few chose to attack, and were immediately put down with short bursts of gunfire. Bull glanced around at the fallen and captured black snake operatives. Harmony wasn't there. Comrade Bulwark! Savior shouted. Numbers are yet in our favor. Best defense being offense. Bull nodded. We're going to have to force a retreat then, to gain some ground until we can secure another choke point. He glanced around to the barricades of the Black Snake forces, who were returning fire from behind stone columns and debris. He looked back at Savior speculatively. You feeling reckless? Savior broke out into peals of laughter, so much that she couldn't speak for a moment. I'll take that as a yes, Bull said, as he ran to her side and brought his shield to life around them. Go, he barked. Let's see how much pain you can dish out. Natalia looked at Bull like she could kiss him. Instead, she grinned wolfishly and together they charged around the barricade. Without having to concern herself with taking cover, she was able to concentrate all of her attention on wreaking the greatest amount of devastation possible. Her blasts simply passed through Bull's shield, though the glimmering bubble still reflected the black snake gunfire right back at their foes. Granted, the reflected gunfire wasn't even remotely accurate, but the bullets continued to ricochet off concrete floors, ceilings, and occasional metal objects, so what the reflected fire lost in accuracy, it more than made up for in being unpredictable. As for Red Savior, her energy blasts were accurate and absolutely devastating. If Black Snake troops took cover behind something that could move, they found it blasted away from them, or into them. If they took cover behind something that couldn't move, they found it being eaten away. And if they didn't take cover, 
Savior was making no attempt whatsoever at non-lethality. The Black Snake troopers were forced into retreating, right up to the point where troops showed up with flamethrowers. Boss Moy! Three flamethrowers belched fire at them at once, and now they were the ones retreating. But their retreat caused the flamethrowers to advance, which opened holes in the line. Echo, gaps at your nine. CCCP gaps at your two. Behind two troops are reloading. Echo, full mags on your side. Watch it and stay in cover. Overwatch was doing her job again. Check your HUDs if you've got them. CCCP, if Echo Meta secure, get your assets downstairs. We need you. These were well-trained troops. No bullet hosing for them. They might have been carrying full autos, but they were picking their shots and conserving their ammo with short bursts. There was a lot of lead in the air. As the flamethrowers continued their determined advance, Bull and Savior traded places with their shock troops, who dove from nowhere to create general chaos amidst the frontline Black Snake fighters. Savior broke off from Bull, raining force blasts into whatever openings she could find, pummeling entire mobs of confused Black Snake metas. Bulwark fell back behind the barricades and gripped his shoulder. He winced. One of the jets of flame had singed him. He was about to launch himself back into the fight when the barricade came under attack. Dodging gunfire and flying over the top, one of his operatives crouched down beside him and flashed a grin. It was Mel Gaucher, Reverie. Report, Bulwark grunted. Those were some ballsy moves there, Cher, she said. Gave the rest of us an opening. A melee specialist have opened it up a little more, spread them out a little, and the rangers are picking off targets from cover. Enough to turn this around, he asked. Mel peeked around the barricade and jerked back as more gunfire ricocheted off the warped concrete. Tough call, but we definitely gained a bit of ground. I say we're fifty-fifty now. Not good enough, Bull said grimly. He appraised her with a grave look. I'm going to need the group shot. You up for it? He knew Mel had come a long way since returning to Echo. Her sessions with Bella had apparently worked wonders. So far, her fieldwork had been exemplary, but they had barely tested her limits. His discussions with Bella about her had been blunt, but Bella could only shrug and say she was coming along, she was ready and fit for duty, but that no one would know just how big a job she could handle until she tried it under fire. Was she ready to try something so big? Mel nudged him playfully with her elbow. Back here, ready and waiting. I've been itching to try something like this for a while now. Bull nodded in encouragement, but he saw past her swagger and assumed confidence. She was nervous, that much was clear, and her hands shook slightly as she closed her eyes. She clenched her hands into tight fists, and when she opened her eyes, they blazed with indigo fire. Bull watched in amazement as the doors of the crashed train were blown out, and streams of echo operatives came rushing out. It was perfect. She had gotten it all, from the sounds of the doors being ripped away, to the battle cries of the fresh combatants as they thundered toward the Black Snake line, screaming for blood. They very much looked the part as well. They were, each of them, indistinguishable from their real-life counterparts. Bull saw Yankee Pride leading the charge, his gauntlets a gift from his father glowing with yellow energy. Unlike Savior, his energy all went into punches, and no one wanted to be on the receiving end. Behind him were Corby, Motu, and Matai, Silent Knight, the three remaining winds, Belladonna Blue, and Red Genie. And behind them, still more, the Flower of Echo, dozens of heavily armed combatants in full nano-weave bearing heavy assault weaponry. They were, none of them, real. 
It didn't seem to matter, as the Black Snake Metas and troopers took one look at them and screamed for a retreat. As they thundered away, the real Echo and CCCP Metas followed, taking full advantage of the illusion, and with a relieved grin, Mel turned to Bulwark and began to laugh. Laissez le bon temps rouler, she said. You know, I think I would even... Her words were cut short as a sudden shot rang out. Her head flew back, and Bull caught her as she fell limply into his arms. An angry cut rang the length of her temple, ending with a bullet lodged right above her ear. Reverie gasped for breath, in shock. "'Somebody help me!' Bull yelled, and an unfamiliar young man clad in nanoweave under an echo-med scrub top knelt at his side. Quickly he fished out a compress pad, a roll of bandages, and forceps from his satchel. He plucked the extruding bullet from Reverie's head, pressed the compress pad to the wound, and immediately began to wrap the bandages around her head. Bull looked up. Where had the shot come from? Aside from the black snake ops that had been captured, the rest were retreating back up to ground level. He scanned the scene and saw a silhouette pause briefly at the entrance of a service tunnel. As Harmony looked back, her eyes locked on Bull's. She shrugged an insincere apology, turned, and was gone. You got this, Bull asked the Echo Medic, who continued to work quickly on Mel's head wound. The Medic nodded. I want you to get her out of here, up to the emergency triage bay they've got set up upstairs. Think you can do that? The Medic gave him an irritated look. You're asking me if I can do my job? He snapped back. Fair enough, Bull said. What's your name, son? Jacob, the boy answered. Well... Jacob, if she wakes up before I get back, tell her she did a damn good job. Yes, sir, Jacob answered. Bull laid a gentle hand on Mel's shoulder, stood up, and ran for the service tunnel. Somehow, Frank found himself without a team. He had been on Team 3, but he'd gotten separated after being a meat shield for them when someone threw a hand grenade. He'd blacked out for a second— just because he was tough, it didn't follow he was entirely immune to concussive force, and when he woke up, he was alone. Where had all those black snakes come from? They certainly hadn't been on the train. Franken-trained to Team 3! Franken-trained to Team 3! He waited, wincing at the sounds of gunfire and worse echoing in the station as he instinctively took cover against the side of the fourth car. He didn't want to look at what was left of the first one. Poor Ryder. Frank, where are you? Finally an answer. Next to the train, he replied. Stay there. We'll rendezvous with you when we get clear. If you see anything that isn't us, shoot it. We have snakes crawling all over us. That made him think of something. Those remaining cars were presumably full of satchel charges, probably C4, military and paramilitary explosive of choice. This was an asset he would rather Black Snake didn't get their hands on. Scope and Acrobat probably just pulled the detonators. Stick them back in and you'd have work and bobs again. I'd better collect them. He got himself back in the second car, which had taken relatively little damage. The guy that Overwatch had put on the controls had managed to get the train slowed enough, so all that happened when they came in hot was a little crumple at the front and a couple snakes with broken necks. He began looking for backpack-type bags that were all alike amid the debris and busted signs and other props. As soon as he found two, he looked in one, and sure enough, bricks of C4 and canisters. The canisters were probably ball bearings or the like for shrapnel. Scope or Acrobat had pulled out the familiar-looking detonator and the end, the radio receiver probably, was crushed. Smart kids. 
left it in the bag so no one would find it rolling around and figure out the satchels had been tampered with. Echo to Frankentrain. Go, Colt, he replied, piling the satchels just outside the door. Your team is supporting Echo Med. Any action where you are? I can hear it, but nothing close. I'm grabbing the C4 satchels the snakes left on the train so they don't come back here and try to use it. When can you send me a heavy lifter to come get it? I'd appreciate it. Overwatch to Echo and Frankentrain. I got a man that can take it in three trips or so. Don't shoot him. He looks like a geriatric junk heap. A moment later, the aforementioned geriatric junk heap did come clanking out of the smoke from the ruins of a Cathy Bucks. Privet, comrade, the creature saluted jovially. And pink, the famous Sovietsky medved, the Russian bear. He didn't look anything like a bear. He looked like some Cold War version of an android designed by drunken engineers, but Frank was happy to see him. He piled the old man's back and arms with satchels, as the odd fellow happily babbled about the exploits of a far past and what he'd done five minutes ago, then just as happily trotted off again, laden like a mule. Frank emptied out what had been the third and fourth car, and his commie pack mule turned up to carry that lot of satchels away as well. But it was as he was starting the fifth and final car that Overwatch reported him being delayed, so rather than leaving something out in the open that Blacksnake would immediately recognize as A, theirs, and B, useful, he piled the satchels up at the back end. He was about halfway through when Overwatch came over the Echo Freak. Overwatch to Frankentrain! Go, Overwatch! Are you still on the tracks? Big trouble coming up the tunnel. He ran to the end of the car and peered through the smoke and glare from the daylight out there. And then he saw it, moving ponderously up the tracks, probably because the extra clearance over the tracks gave it the only clear path to move without hunching over. If it even could hunch over. Black Snake's been making toys. Someone in their R&D must have been studying the Krieger power armor because there were obvious similarities. It didn't look as if it was made of the super-strong stuff the Kriegers used. This was more like tank armor, which made it as strong as a tank, but also made it as heavy as a tank. Put that much weight on two legs instead of two treads, and you had to have a lot of motive power to make it move. Probably why it was so big. Instead of energy cannons, it had twin M134 miniguns for arms. If it started firing, it would be able to mow down pretty much anything like a harvester going through a field of wheat. Echo Nanoweave was meant for small arms fire, not cannon shells. The damn thing was nothing more or less than a killing machine, and could probably even take down any Op 3 that wasn't invulnerable. With a moment of impossible clarity, he knew that he was in exactly the right place, at exactly the right time, and he knew exactly what to do. "'Got it covered, Overwatch,' he said casually, and began clearing the rest of the satchels up to the end of the train." The thing was so heavy it was lumbering at a pace far slower than a normal man's walk, but he hurried nonetheless, grabbing a couple of discarded red bandanas along the way. With his makeshift boilerplate armor, he looked more like a reb than Echo. He tied one of the bandanas around his neck, the other around his head. By the time he got the last of the satchels piled up, the mecha was halfway to the train. Dropped tasers were everywhere. He picked one up and jammed four of the broken detonators into the nearest block of C-4, and waved at the mecha. It stopped. He got the impression of peering, but that was probably because the operator was using zoom and maybe light-amplifying tech to get a better look at him. He waved again, then pointed to his ear and made a negative sign. Even a moron should take that to mean, Hi, I'm friendly, lost my radio. 
Nice thing about Echo. We're also upright and decent. Well, except maybe the genie. Nobody ever thinks we would lie. Then again, with twin miniguns, this thing really didn't have to worry if he was friendly or not. After all, what could he do to it? He waited patiently for the thing to lumber towards him, hoping that if the operator decided to err on the side of caution, his own armor and the back of the train might keep him from getting turned into salsa before he got his chance to take the thing out. But the operator was, thankfully, convinced of his own invincibility, and continued to lumber forward, until at last it was within inches of the back glass, peering down at him. An external speaker squawked to life. "'What unit are you with?' the operator demanded. "'Unit Mitzvitz,' Frank said. "'And I figured you could use a lift.' And with that, he jammed the taser into the detonators and hit the switch. Bella didn't have to feign shock when the explosion rocked the entire plaza. She staggered and looked wildly in the direction of the Marta station, where a plume of smoke was rising. Overwatch to Echo, she heard both on her Overwatch rig and through her normal calm. That was Echo Op 1 Frankentrain taking out a black snake mecha the hard way. The grim tone to Vicky's voice told Bella exactly what the hard way meant. Her gaze whipped over to Verd and Kanji on the platform. She was just in time to catch a fleeting look of satisfaction on Verd's face. But the explosion, coming on top of the two crashes, had set the crowd swirling in knots of confusion and fear. No one knew where to go, and people were starting to panic. Verd was going for the mic again, presumably to try and calm them down, while Kanji turned away to talk to one of his special security detail. This might be my only chance to... The thought was cut off as a hand grabbed her elbow, and a familiar voice growled into her ear before she could react. I told you, darling. She'll gut you before you can blink. I'm getting you out of here before one of them figures out you just might know something. Bella thought about arguing with the genie, but then her private overwatch freak opened again. Soviet to Comrade Blue! Skills are needed here! Sylvie was usually calm and contained, but this sounded desperate. That settled it. In the choice between saving lives and taking down Verd, there was no choice. Right. Let's go, she said grimly. As hunts went, it was a simple one. When Harmony had fled, Bulwark had only paused to pick up a rifle off a fallen black snake meta and had followed in hot pursuit, and without a word Scope and Acrobat had joined him. Overwatch had contacted them only long enough to tell them that the security cams had been disabled back there, which left them on their own for finding her. They pounded down the concrete corridor under dim lighting from regularly spaced fluorescent fixtures above them. There was no need for stealth. There really wasn't anywhere to hide, and with her speed Harmony was already well ahead of them. She wasn't one for stamina, though. That was something they remembered from their time together. Eventually she would have to slow down. Or had that been a ruse as well? She had kept so many secrets, she had played them so convincingly, but what choice did they have? They continued to run, their feet echoing off the concrete, but they were otherwise silent. There wasn't any need to talk. They all felt the same, each knew what the rest did, as any battle-seasoned team should. There was no way they would let her escape, not this time. So when they came to the fork in the tunnel, nothing was discussed. They slowed to a stop, and with a look they parted ways. Bull headed left, while Scope and Acrobat took the right, with barely a glance at each other. Just a few pointed words. Remember, don't let her close in.
Bull's voice rumbled after them. Signal if you find her, Scope growled back. We missed you, boss. That was Bruno's contribution. As they ran, Bruno found his thoughts drifting back over the past few days. Their time behind enemy lines had seemed so fruitless. Try as they might, he and Scope had never found a way to ambush Harmony. She was simply never at Blacksnake HQ. Still, they kept getting hints and clues that pointed to her whereabouts. When she finally showed up for this, the big mission, it was too good an opportunity to miss. Taking her out could wait. Foiling the scheme against Echo had to take priority. It was all so crazy. This was Harmony. How did that shy, crazy nut job they had all come to love pull one over on all of them, and on Bulwark of all people, for years? Who was she, really? And just how good did she have to be to— The thought snapped him back to the more immediate matters at hand. They were chasing her, blindly, someone who had been good enough to take out an entire squad of Tesla's personal bodyguards and Bulwark with relative ease. He glanced at Scope as they sprinted through the tunnel, his hand outstretched to rein her in, when he felt that warm spot in his chest again. That warmth that always seemed to bloom when he looked at her, when the thought of her, that damn near cooked him alive that one time he had actually touched her. Not that he'd had much choice. When that pit trap had opened in the Goldman Catacombs, he watched his deepest, most desperate crush fall headlong into it. Had he known there were jagged spikes waiting for them at the bottom, he doubted it would have made a difference. He would have jumped in after her anyway. For an eternity, they had simply hung there, bouncing lightly on his zipline, their bodies pressed together as she held on to him for dear life. Every day since, he had relived that moment, every time he closed his eyes. They were chasing a killer, and a damn good one, alone. No backup, no element of surprise, just the two of them against a cold-blooded monster. It was crazy. Could they really beat her? He felt his legs seize up as the thought of losing scope tore at his heart. Paris, stop a second, he said. Scope skidded to a halt and glared at him. How many times do I have to say it, Bruno? She seethed. Call me that again and I will gut you. Sorry, sorry, he panted, holding up one hand. Never knew anyone to be so touchy about their real name. It's not my real name, she insisted. Hasn't been for a while now. Fine, fine. Scope, stop a second. You ended already? You girl. No, no, of course not. Well, okay, yes, yes, I am, Bruno admitted. But it's not just that. What are we doing? We really going to Zurich her, just the two of us? Remember all the stuff we heard about her in the Black Snake Barracks? She's their go-to assassin. She has been for years. What can we do that'll top her? She's... Remember! Scope barked and immediately lowered her voice. Remember what Bull said. Keep your distance. And if she closes in? She's fast, Scope. Faster than... Remember! Scope repeated. Remember what we heard in the barracks. She gave him a meaningful look, then down at herself and back to him. We got this, Bruno. We... She was interrupted by the hard clanking of smoke grenades as they bounced around their feet. Scope shouted in alarm, but they were instantly enveloped in an opaque fog. At least their gas mask worked, though Bruno was still able to detect a faint acrid odor to it. What is that? Bruno shouted. Tear gas? It smells wrong and the color's off, Scope snarled. Do you like it? 
Harmony called out from further up the tunnel. New black snake tech, patent pending. That cloud's going to persist for a while, so don't bother waiting for it to dissipate. And don't move. You can't see me, but I can see you, and I've got my piece trained on both of you. She paused. Good to see you guys, by the way. You both look good. Save it, you two-faced murderous bitch, Scope snarled. Well, what are you waiting for? You've got the drop on us. Why don't you take it? Harmony sighed. Do you really think I want you dead? Whether you choose to believe it or not, you two were the closest I've had to friends in, well, decades, really. You could even say we grew up together in an odd fashion. When we first met, I thought I'd have my work cut out for me fitting in. You both were so hopeless. Then you improved, faster than anyone would have thought, which meant I could let Echo think I was improving, too. And look at you now. I'm impressed. Infiltrating Black Snake to chase down little old me, I can only guess. Who would have thought shy, bumbling Bruno and Paris, the queen of piss and moan, could pull it off? Scope shook her head. All right, seriously, you guys have to cut out this Paris crap, or I'm... Going to gut us, Harmony finished. Yes, yes, think about old and tired threats, Paris... They tend to become, well, old and tired. You need a new bet. What do you want, Harm? Bruno asked. He was, for once, not bouncing lightly on the balls of his feet. Instead, he stood motionless, but through the haze of smoke, Scope just barely made out his fingers lightly tapping on his sidearm, which was bound to his leg. Payback, Harmony answered, on a certain billionaire who seems to want me dead. He really rigged that entire train to blow? Yes, Bruno answered in a loud voice, drowning the faint snap from his holster as he unfastened his gun. I guess that means I owe the two of you as well, Harmony said. You saved my life, and that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> wow, it's great to have pals. Hey, that wasn't our first choice, Scope shouted following Acrobat's lead and subtly flicking the safeties off her pistols. We were sort of rushed for time. Believe me, if we could have figured out a way to off you while saving everyone else on that train, we would have. Do we really need the bravado? Harmony asked. Really, all I want to do is talk. You want to talk? Scope scoffed. Harm, you were infiltrating us for Black Snake. You lied to us for years. You killed our boss. You put Bull in a coma. And it turns out you're Black Snake's number one hitman. You just tried to off a train full of Echo Ops and veterans. And you just plugged Reverie in the head with a bullet. We left the talking portion of this crazy soap opera a while ago. Can we just fight now? Mm, no, Harmony answered. I'm going to need to say a few things. We don't need to hear anything from you, Scope shouted. Oh, it's not to you, Harmony said. But I think you'll be interested to hear it. It'll also do that two birds, one stone thing. You appreciate that, don't you, Scope? <laughs> Look at me. I'm being efficient. Get to the point, Harm, Acrobat said. It'll be quick. Promise, Harmony said. Something that should hurt my former employer and pay you two back in full. Then we can get back to you trying to take me down. 
She chuckled and raised her voice. Are you picking this up, Overwatch? Do I have your full attention? There was a pause, and then... Tell her I'm listening, they heard Vicky say. Overwatch is receiving, Acrobat said loudly. Say your piece. This is Special Operative Talisman of Blacksnake, formerly known as Echo Op Trainee Harmony. On this, the first year anniversary of the global invasion, Dominic Verdigree III attempted to assassinate a martyr train full of Echo veterans and their Echo Op escorts by way of a bombing. His aim was to set up the bombing as a failed kidnapping attempt, using the Atlanta rogue metagroup known as the Rebs as scapegoats. Prior to today, my understanding was this plan had two objectives. First, through combat or the detonation of bombs placed on the Marta transport to eliminate key members of Echo Meta personnel Verdigree wanted neutralized. Second, to discredit and undermine the remaining Echo personnel currently in upper management roles to facilitate an eventual transfer of power completely in his hands. His desire to have the Echo veterans eliminated in all of his contingency plans suggests to me a third objective, though he never chose to discuss that particular point with me. In light of new evidence, I would also postulate a fourth objective. His decision to plant bombs on every car of the Marta transport suggests he also wished to terminate myself and my team of Black Snake operatives. My belief is that he wished to eliminate the last key piece of evidence linking himself to the murder of Alex Tesla. Me. I was Alex Tesla's murderer. And I state now for the record that I acted under the sole direction of Dominic Verdigree III. Harmony, Bruno said. You know this won't mean much unless you turn yourself in and testify. Does this mean you're surrendering to us? Please no, Scope muttered. Then I can't shoot her. Don't be absurd, Harmony said. Do you really think I'd just chain myself to you? Overwatch, I am now transmitting a URL to the Echo Med Freak for secure documents, recordings, and files that will provide all the evidence you need to corroborate these accusations. The passcode is 15 Delta Charlie Tango Quebec 2 Foxtrot Zulu. Please confirm. There was a long silence. Package confirmed, you two they heard Vicky say over their communicators. She's got it, Bruno said. It's done, Harmony. Good, Harmony said simply. Take him down with my compliments. Now, if you will excuse me, I'm sure Bull's been listening in all this time and is double-timing it towards us. He promised to break me, you see, and as much as I'd find that entertaining, I think it might be best to save that for another day. Harmony? Scope shouted. You even think of jackrabbiting, and I swear I will mow you down where you stand. More tired threats, Scope, Harmony sighed. This should be good. I know you, dear girl. I know how much your eyes are your crutch as much as your strength. Pray, how are you going to hit what you can't see? Are you going to... In answer, Scope leveled her pistols in Harmony's direction and emptied her magazine. Bruno heard the storm of bullets ricochet off the concrete walls, but a few seemed to find their mark. Harmony screamed. 
can't see you, can't help but hear you, Scope replied smugly. How's that for a new bit, bitch? Bruno heard Harmony swear, and then with a loud thump, he saw a gleam of light growing larger. Scope! he yelled, but it was too late. He dove to protect Scope with his own body, but it wasn't a grenade that Harmony had fired at them, it was a flare. The small flame punctured the dense smoke, and the very air around them ignited in a tremendous flash of light. Scope began to scream while Bruno rubbed at the stars in his eyes. He was dazed, but the haze of bright stars was already beginning to fade, and he saw that the flash had depleted the smoke screen. It had been so bright, though, so bright that Scope must have been... Blinded! Scope yelled. That bitch blinded me! She... Bruno heard the pounding of footsteps, caught a glimpse of a brief struggle, and when his eyes finally began to register shapes, he saw Scope sliding to the ground and Harmony standing over her. Paris! Bruno screamed. You killed her! Harmony rolled her eyes. Of course not. She just cut my legs up to hell. She's no good to me dead. She reached down towards Scope's limp body and frowned. She looked up at Bruno. Full body armor? Since when do you two wear full body armor? Acrobat ignored the question and instead launched himself at the tunnel wall, rebounded, and flew at Harmony feet first. With a surprised yelp, she dodged back and tumbled away, landing in a crouch. Bruno noticed she was noticeably slower. After her sprint to escape and a number of bullets embedded in her legs, she was severely weakened and in obvious need of juicing. "'You stay the hell away from her,' Acrobat growled. "'Don't be an idiot, Bruno,' Harmony snarled as she stood up. "'Why do you think I went for her first? "'Even blind, she's more a threat to me than you'll ever be. "'You little mouse of "'She shrieked, threw down another smoke bomb, "'and retreated as he drew his pistol and began firing. "'Once again, the fog obscured anything beyond a foot away.' Bruno bent down, threw Scope over one shoulder, and fell back as Harmony began to return fire. It was awkward, shielding Scope's chest and head with his body while he backed away, exchanging gunfire with Harmony through the thick smoke. He grunted as one shot grazed his shoulder, and after a moment he felt the sting of a fresh wound. He quickened his backward pace, but slowed as Harmony stopped shooting. From the smoke he heard the pounding of feet on pavement. Harmony was running away. God. I miss Echo Nano Weave, he winced. Bruno, he heard Scope mutter into his back. Put me down, you moron. He knelt down and let Scope come to her feet. Immediately, her legs buckled and he steadied her as she sank to her knees. She was clutching her side. Easy, easy, he said. Don't exert yourself. I think harm gave you a solid shot to the liver. Can you see yet? Scope looked around blankly, and her lips quivered with rage. She shook her head. It's getting better. The great black blur is kind of a great gray blur now. I'm going to need a minute, just, just a minute. She exhaled and gritted her teeth, struggling with indecision. We don't have a minute. You need to go after her, now. Acrobat, you will belay that order. Bulwark's voice rumbled over their comm units. I am almost to your position. I... No, Bull, you're really not, Vicky interrupted. You folks are going to have to move. Just gave a look over Harm's files. They're good, but Bruno is right. 
To make this stick, we need a live body, a living witness. Otherwise, there'll be claims we manufactured it all. If there is a chance in hell you can capture her, do it. Overwatch, Harmony is not to be underestimated. Bulwark sounded like he had quickened his pace to a dead run. His breathing sounded labored, his footsteps thundering on concrete. I freaking helped bring you back from the other side. You think I don't know that? But I also know Verd. I know what he'll do. I know the politicians he's bought and the people he's got under his thumb. We need a live witness. Damn it, Bruno. You will wait for me to. Scope reached up and felt about Bruno's head for his comm unit. She turned it off, and then hers. She grabbed Bruno by the front of his flak jacket and brought his face within an inch of her own. Listen to me, she hissed. Harm's getting away. Go. Remember what you promised me. We finished this today, he said. We finished this today, she nodded. Bruno hesitated, looking down the tunnel where Harmony had fled, and back to Scope. She couldn't see him, but her eyes were wide open. He had always been so taken with how intense they were. While the rest of her shook with anger, her eyes stayed fixed in one place. She couldn't see him. She never had, and now he suspected she never would. How could someone who could see with such clarity be so blind to what was right in front of her? It occurred to him that perhaps Harmony was right. Scope's vision was a crutch, and if she couldn't see him one way, then perhaps another approach would have to do. He released the bottom half of his mask, and then hers, and cupped her face gently with both hands. Bruno, she said. What the hell? He kissed her, and felt her scorn melt away to astonishment, and right at the end, he felt her kiss him back. Stay here, he breathed, pulling back reluctantly. God, I've wanted to do that for a really long time. God willing, maybe you'll let me do that again. Scope just nodded. She had stopped shaking with anger. Instead, she just looked utterly bewildered, even a little lost. Which, given her other possible reactions, Bruno read as positive. Bruno refastened his mask, sprang to his feet, and raced off. Scope could not have moved, and it had nothing to do with her injuries or her blindness. She felt completely paralyzed, mentally and physically stunned. Blindsided. Never had a word been more appropriate. Finally, she spoke aloud, though there was no one to hear her. Well... That just happened. You have been listening to Season 7 of the Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series. The Secret World Chronicle podcast is narrated and produced by Veronica Jaguer. Music is Exciting Trailer by Kevin McLeod, available at Incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle is published by the amazing people at Bayon Books. Follow the series at www.secretworldchronicle.com. Join us on Facebook and check out the authors on Twitter. And as always, thank you for listening.